Hey guys, it's Alan. Uh, just so you guys know, we forget at the beginning of the episode to explain what this show is about, uh, but it's about Farscape and... Uh, uh, uh. Welcome to Escape Chats Episode 4. My name is Alan, and I'm here again with Magellan. What's up, buddy? Hi, what's up, man? Oh, you know, just hanging out, talking about cool sci-fi shows with my bro. Nice. You know what I just realized? What's that? It's inherently rude to answer the question, what's up, by saying, what's up, back. It's a weird, I mean, yeah, most, like, American (laughs) conversational slang is stupid, is what you're saying. It's just weird, it's just a, because... You're like, I'm not expected to answer your question, but now there's nothing left for you to do except answer mine. So, I apologize. My favorite is, yeah, the cyclical, like, how you doing? Uh, pretty good. How about you? Good. How about you? Good. How about... <laughs> <laughs> I've had that happen before. It's very scary. You wake up in a cold sweat in the middle of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, so good? <laughs> like, they... <laughs> didn't experience any of that oh, oh man yeah. it's like that conversation that um aaron's son and uh Crichton had about the word hey and how it, it leads right. to weird conversations oh yes brought it back yes this, this show's this show's basically seinfeld in that respect no yeah this we're, wait we're not watching seinfeld no, no soup uh, for well, you well, dargo Oh man, great episode. Yeah. We're not talking about that episode though. No. You know what episodes we are talking about? Thank you for the segue. Yes, I do. We're what well, we watched two episodes this uh, week, as always. You can't you can't point out every segue because Because that breaks the point of the segue? Yeah. Uh, uh I mean <laughs> <laughs> oh, the momentum is gone. No, 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 we're good. How are you? How are you? I'm doing very well. I've been having a okay week and I'm here to talk about uh what are, to be fair, you I mean you've noticed that we haven't gone into the episode yet? To what are, to be fair, some pretty uh, mediocre episodes, I'm gonna say. Pretty, probably the blandest pair that we've had so far. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Especially after last week, this is just uh, two kind of ep- two just kind of episodes that just were. Um, specifically, yeah. we watched uh, I E T, which is um, episode seven of season one on Netflix, and uh, episode two of season one uh, according to air dates. Right. Which, uh, we'll get it, we'll yep. talk about that. And we also watched, um, That Old Black Magic, which is episode 8 on season 1. Um, and episode 8, uh, in the airing order. So I think, does that mean that we're getting back into the real air order? Yeah, I, I think we're good from here on out. Makes sense. Um, let's just get right into it. Um, IET, directed by Pino Amenta, written by <laughs> Sally Lapidus. God, every farce Pino, person. I would love to drink both of their names. <laughs> Uh, I had a very fine Pino Amenta. Can I get a side of Sally Lapidus? Mmm. Mm. Tasty. Um, this episode aired May 8th, 1999 in the U.S. and December 20th, 1999 in the, in the I mean, in the United Kingdom. <laughs> Basically, a quick plot. I, I'm decided, I decided that I think the good, best way to start these discussions is to break down just what happens in the episode and then we can kind of get into what we found about it instead of going plot by plot. Um, yeah. So with IET... So John Crichton and the gang continue their trend of having him, Dargo, and Aaron's son go land on a planet. And uh, they find out that the Moya has a tracking device on it. And the only way to remove it is to, uh, without hurting it, because it's a, you know, living thing, 
is to anesthetize it, and the only material to do to do that with is called uh, chlorium. And they land on a planet that is surrounded by marsh, and uh, they get some chlorium by uh, going to a woman's house there, and they find out that the people on that planet don't know that there are aliens. And so the John Crane gets to play the stranger in a strange land role and maneuver his way into getting some chlorium from this woman and her son, who uh, are basically aliens whose only defining feature is that they have weirdly elongated sort of facial parts. And um, Yeah, like ears, basically. Right, yeah, behind the neck. And um, right. so he does that, and uh, Dargo gets captured at one point, and Aaron's son leaves at one point, and then uh, the B-plot is just that uh, uh, Zahn and Rigel try to use Zahn's empathy powers to slowly heal the ship, but things go awry, and the episode ends with them just kind of leaving and being like, well, that was weird. Uh-huh. So uh, what did you think of this episode, Majan? I think it had some themes, some underlying themes that were really interesting, and had they been executed well and executed earlier in the show, they would have been especially compelling. But here, they weren't handled as well as I would have liked. And a lot of this character stuff that's going on feels really stale because this was the second episode of the show. And there are other signs of its uh, staleness as well, like the fact that I think there's a moment where Aaron pronounces Arn, the measure of time, Arne. So there's that, and there's other like minor inconsistencies like that going on in this episode. So I felt like I was... This was an episode I felt like I was watching it just for the sake of watching every episode. And I didn't feel like I got that much from it. Right. It is. It feels completely skippable because there yeah. are... Yeah, like you said, there are themes of this idea that for the first time, John Crichton gets to be the outsider and gets to have a second chance at giving someone else a first encounter because his was so awkward. But uh-huh. I just feel like... So little happened, and there was so little meat to chew on in this episode and like to think about. Because we've been enjoying discussing how this show plays with sci-fi tropes and how it flips ideas on their head. And it just kind of... Like, that plot summary I kind of made longer than it even needed to be. Like, he just kind of goes on the planet, yeah. and then the cops there are like, oh, they're aliens. And then it just becomes the plot of the film E.T. Like, the name is kind of damning in that way, because <laughs> I really, I legitimately expected there to be some sort of bicycle over the moon scene where him and Dargo is are in a, a little, uh, covered in a blanket, and they go into space right. and escape the police who are using uh, flashlights instead of guns. But that just doesn't happen. Like, things just kind of go all right, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, like, the MacGuffin of the episode, I didn't really get. Like, I got that he was supposed to get this compound to anesthetize the ship, and that's cool. Yeah. Okay. Them continually talking about how Moya is a living ship, the idea that Moya was born, the idea that living ships can't usually go onto planets because they can't, like, handle the gravity because they're too heavy. Right. That is really cool, conceptually. And that's, like, world-building facts that you should be getting out in a second episode. And so that part of it, like, we need to find a compound to anesthetize the ship, felt like it made sense. And it didn't feel like an arbitrary thing, fetch quest that they had to go do, (laughs) right? But the fact that in the B-plot they're doing the thing that they wanted to get 
the thing to be able to do right was weird and so the culmination of john crichton getting this stuff isn't enabling them to get off the planet it's healing the ship after the fact which is necessary but it feels inconsequential visually and viscerally speaking as a viewer and also there was enough of it in her salt shaker <laughs> oh yeah there was exactly enough the ship like i don't know i think yeah my one of my bigger problems with this episode is that it it sort of gets by on convenience like things just kind of work out really well and if you yeah if you view it as the second episode that came out it kind of makes sense that they you know didn't understand how to how to construct the b plot because in this episode yeah the b plot is there entirely to serve the a plot it does not stand on its own it does not uh yeah it doesn't it doesn't resonate in any way it just happens and i felt like there was a lot of potential there but like you said i thought that the stuff about moya being a creature and how it Moya used to go around in space and travel with the other space ships, uh, and they would used to hang out together. Like, all that little, those little brief lines from, like, Rigel and Pilot were really cool. But just, the show very quickly, I'm starting to notice, fell into this formula of the away team plot and the home team plot. And I just, I love it when the, the themes of them both blend because I feel like that's how you're supposed to write television is that the, the two plots are supposed to contribute to each other because why would they exist separately? And, um, yeah, there just wasn't a lot to, to sort of, to dig into that with that. But so, okay, if I can just criticize you for a second and what you just said, because you're saying that you want plots to incorporate with one another, but you, didn't like the way that these two worked, that these two plots worked. Well, what I'm getting at is that the, I feel like the B-plot didn't accomplish anything. So what is... Because we've also in the past praised side plots that don't... Okay, no, I guess that's not true. Um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like it's okay if the facts of two plots don't contribute to one another as long as they have some resonant thematic connection. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. They can they can blend into each other and they can and they can do physical interaction like that. You know, she's trying to fix the ship, they're trying to fix the ship. We're all trying to fix the ship. But what does the B plot mean? The idea is that Zon is an empath person who can take on the pain of the ship and use it and try and wait while Rigel pulls out parts and takes out the trans the transmitter to the peacekeepers. But that's kind of, that yeah. just kind of like she goes, oh, it's too hard. I couldn't do it. And that's the gist of it. And it, especially coming after last yeah. week's episode where um, she had to learn about her sort of ability to hurt people and her uh, her violent. That tendencies. was this week. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. You're right. Uh, yeah. I think that what I'm getting at is that the, the second episode does be like this show does B plots very well. And they've been becoming my favorite um, plots of the show. So mm-hmm. it's really weird that that this this episode felt like such a misstep in that department. Right. Well, because it was the second right episode, and it starts off yeah. heavy. Like we a DRD, those uh, little R two D two droids on the ship died because because yeah. uh, it tried. They spent a lot of the first beginning of the episode, and I kind of like the way this episode was directed in certain parts. Um, filming from the inside of the Peacekeeper drone, which is like in a vent basically, um, mm-hmm. and then a DRD droid that comes in and gets fried immediately uh there there's a line about yoda that i really like too uh in terms of john Crichton's pop culture reference of the week i think he mentioned they lingered on it weirdly long um 
But yeah, he's like, ah, oh, like Yoda, and <laughs> Aaron's like, who's Yoda? He's like, oh, just he's a little like, green oh, guy, little... trains warriors. And Aaron's like, oh, cool. She's like, Nino, and you're it's like, yeah, so... I get it. Like, she, the whole joke is that she believes that that's a real thing that exists. Right. Well, then the other joke is just like, hey, Henson Company, wink. Oh, that's true. I forgot. I didn't even catch that. That's a good point. <clears throat> but, yeah. Also, there's a I forget, oh, when they're landing. I think um, I liked that uh, Aaron and John's default bracing position. It's just like a really sexy hug. They're like, all right, guys, we're we're going down. We need to grab onto something. And they're like, hello. And she's just like has her arms up, and he's got his like hand around her chest. And you're like, what? <laughs> This is the beginning of a kissing scene. This is not their, like... A kissing scene. A scene of kissing. <laughs> a make-out scene. I don't know what to call it. I don't know what things are. It's just so innocent. Like, oh, these two characters are going to have a kissing scene. They're going to have a smoochy moment. A moment. Uh, I want to talk about the mom and her son a little bit. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. <laughs> they can't see it at home, but you, your eyes rolled back into the back of your head right there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, I just want to say that the dog, the son's name is Fostro, and he runs Fostro's home for imaginary friends. <laughs> okay, cool. And I wrote that joke, and um, I wanted to get it out there. Can I check in with my uh, thing about the translator bacteria of the week? We need to start. We need to give this a theme song at some point. I love it. <laughs> I was just um, a little behind the scenes. I was just listening back to the last episode, and... The first thing I turned to was that moment. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> Here we go. And it goes for a while. It's very funny. I I mean, it's just, it's a really fascinating concept to me. But, hey, guess what is the problem with this episode is the population of this planet has never made contact with outsiders before. So why can they speak to each other? Why can they speak to each other? Why can they speak to John Crichton? Because he is a translator. Hey, Alan, do you remember the pilot? where John Crichton didn't have the translator and he didn't understand what Dargo was saying, and then he got the translator and he did understand it. Yes. Oh, you're saying how do they understand what he's saying? Right. Oh, no, dude, it's a (laughs) universal... I'm trying. It's a universal translator. It translates both ways. No, I'm telling you it doesn't. It's an input-output. No, I'm telling you the pilot shows us that it doesn't. Hmm. Uh, Explain yourself again. I'm sorry. Okay, so... Here's all we know about the translators and the way that they function. Okay. Is that before you get them, you don't understand what aliens are saying. And aliens don't understand you. Theoretically. I guess we don't know that for sure. Okay. But it seemed like Dargo didn't understand what John Crichton was saying either, and he was just shouting at him. Right. So we know that. And we also know that after you get the translator... If you both have translators, everyone understands each other. And they're speaking, either they're speaking the same language or they can all somehow understand each other and hear each other in their native language or whatever. We don't know the, what, how that works, but it's fine. So, John Crichton is an alien to these people. These people have never had contact with aliens before. So, how are they communicating with him? I think the way the show wants you to think about it is that is that they forgot, and they don't want us to think no, about it. No, no, no. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, in context, I'm and I'm trying again, uh, they want you to think that he's transmitting in their native tongue. But the pilot says that that doesn't happen. I get you. I got you. Right. 
so yes, it, it, what's weird is I can't keep saying, "Oh, forget about it. this." Is the second episode right? That that's the thing of it. It's like, how did you forget so quickly? Because uh, I think they they return and do something explicitly with the translators later, where they like acknowledge them in a later episode. Good. So it's weird that they. I don't remember. I just remembered something, but like it wasn't just me that brought the translators back up. But I don't remember when it happened, so I can't back that up. Uh, but yeah, this is the second episode, and they've already forgotten one of the like key rules. Don't break the of, rules of your show, says Magellan. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. <laughs> this has been your translator moment of the week. And it's just as easy as like John Crichton being like, oh, I got this bacteria in my pocket. Translate. I'd get a bacteria in my pocket if it let me speak any alien language. Also, I want to see that... Uh, the worm that brushes your teeth again. I miss that. <laughs> I like, yeah, more weird parasites that do natural benign things for you. I'm way into that. Concept. Yeah, let's do that. I like a whole, you just have a whole bait box of <laughs> like a, a tackle box of like this one cleans my teeth. This one's floss. This one, this one brushes my hair. Yep. <laughs> can we talk about this how this one makes spicy foods taste sweet? <laughs> Go ahead. This one makes it so I can eat those Harry Potter jelly beans and not throw up. <laughs> Um, can we talk about how it's weird that John Crichton gets a twitch because of the Peacekeeper Beacon, but only now and not sooner? Yeah, that seemed weirdly arbitrary. It's just kind of a, it's like a motivator for the joke of the cold open, where she's like, uh, where Aaron's son's like, oh, stop twitching. He's like, ah, there's something weird. And I guess, yeah, again, if we're going to be like, oh, second episode, um, that's why it makes sense that they're getting the transmitter out now. Because if it was seven yeah. episodes in, it's like, guys... How was this going for so long and nobody thought that it was weird? Right. But yeah, he just has a twitch uh, and he finds out that it's because the transmitter that's in the hull, the neural cortex of the ship, is uh, broadcasting very high-pitched sounds. Neural nexus, that's what it's called. Uh Also, the concept of forbidden cargo is interesting to me, and I wonder if that's going to come back in any way. Uh, The idea that there are things that ships like Voya can't bring on them, one of them being an anesthetic. Um, hey, spoilers. This isn't a spoiler, actually. That does come back. Nice. One more time. Actually, it's in three episodes, and this was one of them. So, um, other things that happen. There really just isn't a lot to this episode. It's literally E.T. Yeah, there is a- um, the joke that I wanted to make was that I like that the, like, they still didn't have a lot of creativity when it came to designing other alien races on this show yet, other than the main cast. So, like, this, uh-huh. uh, swamp alien race his only defining features are like if you had a chin length slider in like an rpg and you just turned it like a little (laughs) too high and it's like oh it wasn't meant to go this high but it does and yeah it just it really just looked like they had big jowls it was like come on guys foster deserves better than this i want a shirt that says foster deserves better than this and see if anyone gets it (laughs) do they have did they have a truck yes they had trucks right it's fucking all right (laughs) The whole thing of, the, of that race is that, oh, they're basically just like Southern Earth, um, but they have yeah. weird faces. Like, there's nothing alien about them. They are just basically Earthlings with weird faces. They have trucks and guns, too. Like, when everybody lands, they're like, oh, shoot them. And you're like, the fuck? Are those, like, yeah. assault? Are those rifles? Like, what are you? I don't even know. There is a point where, I forget why, but John Crichton got back on the ship and he was unconscious, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Rigel thought he was dead. And he was like, ah, we're going to have to do a whole funeral ceremony for John Crichton. Such a bummer. Let's do our traditional funeral ceremony. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah. And uh, he he's like about to eat uh, John Crichton's like leg or something. Wasn't that what was happening? I don't remember. It was, a dumb, it was a dumb thing. I just like the idea that his death ceremony or his Rigel's race has um, this like ceremony that involves essentially cannibalism. Uh-huh. But it, it immediately is played as a joke where John gets up and then Rigel's like, "Oh, and I was, I was, I revived you. You're welcome. Thank, you're welcome, buddy. I do what I can." <laughs> as he's about uh-huh. to take a just a fat bite. Um, God, there's really nothing else on here. Did you have anything else about uh, the Zon plot? No. Uh, why, question, about the A plot, actually. Okay. Why did, so Dargo got kidnapped because he's a crazy alien. Uh-huh. How did they kidnap him if they're just, like, humans? I don't know. Should I not ask these I'm, questions? No, I'm done with this episode, dude. Yeah. I don't. I wasn't paying attention. The I, I, I was watching this episode in a really weird, like, I was watching it on the 13th floor of a library, so I was busy looking out the window the whole time. The only other thing I wanted to mention was a really weird detail when... What's her face? What's his face? John Crichton is leaving the planet. He's like, oh, thanks for the chlorium, Linnea, or whatever the heck the lady's name was. Uh He kisses her. He's like, this is how we say goodbye. He kisses her on the cheek. Yeah, I guess he's European. (laughs) It was very European, and you're like, no, but he's very clearly American. Like, what do you... But then she's like, that's not how we say goodbye. Ooh. Like, she was so turned on. And the son is right, and then Foster's right there, and he's like, Mommy, what is this? (laughs) It's very weird. And then there wasn't even a good end-of-episode reflection moment. There was one, but it wasn't good. I forgot. Oh, what, what happened? Aaron finds a... This is from the Farscape uh, Encyclopedia Project. Aaron finds a wistful John watching the departing planet through Moya's viewer and asks if he's going to miss that rock. And John answers, no, not that rock. John answers cryptically. Aaron leaves him to his musing. Oh, because he's going to miss Earth instead. Miss Earth, yeah. That's okay. That works in the context of when this episode came out. Or when it should have come out. Right. There is some trivia from this episode, actually. Some of it's interesting like aaron says crap instead of dren because they accidentally didn't realize that they created a word for crap for aliens to say instead like right. she, they just forgot references et the water in the swamp was completely cgi that was obvious the whole thing <laughs> the whole thing where the moya was uh, landing i was like this is ah the show doesn't do well with cgi right right yeah the makeup for the Danaeans to differentiate them from human and sebations was designed by Dave Elsie. Dave Elsie, get your shit together. <laughs> Good God, sir. <laughs> Hope you do better in the future. This episode was part of the second batch of back-to-back filmed episodes. Okay, that makes sense. O'Bannon, Rockney S. O'Bannon, the creator of the show, admits that while the episode suffered an execution because it was filmed very early in the series, he stands by the script since it keeps John down to earth and serves as a touchstone for all the episodes that followed. Can I can I blow your mind real quick? Go ahead. This is a a general Farscape fact. Go for it. You know who provides the voice of Pilot? I don't. It's the guy who plays Christ. Whoa. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. They they could have afforded more people. They had a thousand extras. Because I really yeah. like the voice of Pilot, and yeah. I don't like Christ. Hey, we'll get to that. <laughs> I just wanted. To, I re, I think the real the last piece of. Uh, <laughs> of bonus information is essential. Guess what, Majan? What's up? Despite not having translator microbes in their body, the native population of this planet can understand Crichton and the rest of the Moya crew. That's it. Ah, see? There you go. They know, man. They get that. You're not alone. 
Yeah. So I guess it's one of those, like, if the other race he's talking to has translators and they understand him, but these guys don't, so they shouldn't be able to, but the show is kind of lazy sometimes. Right. They just forgot. Yeah. I mean, like, they've just forgot some key things in this episode. Yes. Do you want to talk about the second episode? I do. What was it called? <clears throat> I was trying to think of a way for us to, like, break between episodes so that I could, like, find an edit point, but... Oh, I do, but oh, in a minute, let's sit here for a second and be quiet. Hey everybody, it's Magellan and Alan here, just cutting into the middle of the episode for our first, well, Moya Bag segment. Do you like that name, Alan? I'm so happy you stuck with it! (laughs) (laughs) So, just to level with you all, we recorded these episodes a while ago. We have a significant backlog of episodes. This one, episode four, was recorded, gosh, how long ago? Six months? March 29th, 2015. Yeah, wow. And it is currently January. Yes. Of 2016. So, but we, we still want this show to be a living, breathing thing, much like Moya is a, is a living ship, right? <laughs> yes. Right. A living ship. <laughs> uh, we want this to be a place where the people who love Farscape can discuss Farscape. So it's not just us. It's not just our opinions. We happen to be the guys with the microphones and the podcast feed, sure. But we're not the only people with opinions on Farscape. So if you have any comments, questions, uh, feedback, anything like that that you want to share with us, there are now numerous ways by which you can do that. And you can be assured that in the following episode, if you want your feedback or question or comment to be shared, we will share it in one of these interstitial bits between episode discussions. So there's there are no, three... There's nowhere yeah, on the yeah. internet you can... I'm going to cut you off. But there's nowhere on the internet Please. you can... You can go that you won't find a way to contact us regarding Farscape or Scape Chats in general. We have our Twitter account, which is at Scape Chats, spelled the way the show is. We, of course, have our email, scapechats at gmail.com. And uh, now we're going to start doing uh, weekly episode threads where we post every episode and sort of have a little common discussion on the Farscape subreddit, which is rfarscape. That's reddit.com slash r slash farscape. Shout out to the mods there for being cool with us putting up threads every week. Just a couple days ago, I actually posted there just about the show in general uh, around episode three, and we got a lot of amazing positive feedback. Just real quick shout out to uh, AMA, EFM, uh, Courtesy Flush, Domain 101. <laughs> Curtis Bunch is actually he It sounds he, like you're in a you're in a weird internet rap super group or something. Yo DJ Courtesy Flush Flush on the track. Courtesy Flush actually tweeted at me my personal account, which I, we do at the end we like say at the end of every episode. To right. say that they uh, they wanted to know like how far in advance we record the episodes because uh, we mentioned last episode that Fury Road had not come out yet. But you also <laughs> said that you love the show, so Courtesy Flush you super cool also 1981 mph and Roombot, y'all also posted in that thread and you're very nice people thank you for communicating with us and enjoying our show we should point out that um like we said we recorded these episodes a long time in advance so where we are right now we i've just both finished watching season two have now recorded our episodes about the last couple episodes of season two so if you want to talk like further ahead spoilers do not communicate with us about anything past that because as we mentioned before this is a show where we watched the show for the first time. So, yeah. you know, don't be that guy. Don't In general, don't try to 
spoil anything for us past the episode that's airing currently, but you can be assured that we're probably a season ahead of where the show is right now if you really want to talk about something that's far ahead. That is a perfect way to, to encompass it, I think, yeah. So, again, thank you guys so much for listening and enjoying it and subscribing um, on iTunes and through the, the Simplecast player. And I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode of Skate Chat. Hey, we're back. <laughs> How's it going? That was a good sit. Oh, my God. That was a long time. I feel closer to myself. Yeah, I feel closer to God and closer to Christ. Basically the same thing. Hey, uh, we watched That Old Black Magic. Season 1, episode 8 of Farscape. Oh, did I say that at the beginning? This is a podcast about Farscape. (laughs) (laughs) In case someone's listening and they're like, Oh, sweet. (laughs) Finally, a podcast about the escape button on my keyboard. (laughs) And then they hear us talking about Christ and John Crichton. And they're like, the fuck is this? (laughs) This isn't cool. Oh, that is a key piece of information. Escape Chat's a podcast about Farscape, guys. That's what it's about. And love. <laughs> and friendship. Hopefully they've hopefully they've figured out by now what this is about. <laughs> no, I like I, don't, I don't think I don't think a podcast about Farscape is the kind of thing that you stumble upon and you're like, Oh, this show looks fun. I wonder what it's about. I think people seek it out purposefully. Right. I guess you're right. But we should have like a spiel that we give. I just at least about the yeah I, I I just missed it this week. I usually say oh it's about the television show Farscape, which was aired. In the- you should do do one of those things that podcasts do when it's like oh uh, hey guys it's Alan here. We were having audio problems uh, in this episode, so blah 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 blah. But for this episode, you come in, and you're like hey guys it's Alan. Uh, just so you guys know, we forget at the beginning of the episode to explain what this show is about. Uh, but it's about Farscape and. Uh-huh. And you just do that. I could theoretically do that. Maybe you heard it already. Maybe that's a useless idea. In which case, we sound stupid for repeating that. Oh, oh yeah, I guess you're right. Well, that old black magic, Alan. <laughs> God, this episode. I have things to say about this one though. What did you think? Give me a give me the rundown of what you. Well, no, can I do the plot? Yeah, actually. synopsis. And then you tell me what you thought. Uh, we'll trade. Are you are you ready to? Because the whole trick of doing the plot synopsis is you have to mem- remember it. <laughs> and that's hard. Uh, Go for we'll it. We'll see. I just pay attention and see if I miss something. Okay. Okay. So they they're down on a planet and it's like a market planet and they're looking for something. According to this, they're looking for a cure for Rigel's flu. Sure. I guess he has a flu. So Zahn goes off to speak to somebody about that. Crichton is like wandering around and then he runs into a weird jester. And the jester like knows stuff about Earth and about Crichton's past that he's not supposed to know. For example, who Crichton lost his virginity to, which apparently that is going to be a, a reoccurring element of his backstory. Right, because there's so little there. <laughs> I mean, that's important. Uh, so pay attention to that. So he goes with this weird jester for some, just because that guy knows stuff about him, and apparently that's enough of a reason. Then, what the hell is a Delvian Pau? Is that what that guy was? What that bad guy was? Hey, spoilers. I gotta... That's... that's oh, Del... Oh, okay, hold on. It's the priest people. Oh, it's what Zahn is. Yes. Oh, duh. Okay, I misread that sentence. So... Delvian's the race, is... the Pau is a priest. Right. But he says he can't... 
I'm sorry. I'm not remembering this. Okay, yeah. So Crichton gets led off by this jester to go talk to somebody who's, like, old and important. And Zahn goes to talk to this red guy. And he's red, and he's pretty cool. Then we go and we see... Is it Crace or Christ? They say both. I say Christ. Ugh. They gotta get consistent with their... Zanzon, dude. Zanzon. Zanzon. Christ is on his ship, and he gets a communique from High Command, and they're like, hey, stop trying to find John Crichton. Like, it's a waste of time, and you're way the hell out in the boonies of the galaxy, and we need you to come back. And uh, his lieutenant is there, and he's like, hey, I'm probably just going to keep going and doing this thing. Like, what do you think about that? And she's like, I'm with you, man. I mean, I think we should go back, but I'm, I follow your orders. Oh, man, this part. So then Crichton is unconscious, apparently, and Dargo and Aaron find him and bring him back to the the ship in like the real world, but in his weird dream state, he meets Maldus, who it turns out Maldus was the guy posing as both the jester and Haloth, the old guy that he talks to. And Maldus is a, a warlock? Sure. He's I like guess. a vampire warlock. He's a evil sorcerer. So John Crichton is meeting this guy in a weird room. And he's like, oh, John Crichton, I'm going to do evil things to you. And then in real life, Zahn is talking to the red guy, and he's like, hey, there's an evil warlock around here. You should watch out for him. We want to beat him. So then, basically the two parallel stories. On the one hand, John is in this weird warlock world, and the warlock brings in Krace, like teleports him there or whatever he does, so that Krace can try to fight and kill John Crichton, because the warlock feeds off of death. Yeah. But he wants it to be interesting and, you know, compelling, yeah. I guess. And then in the outside world, Zahn is working with this red guy trying to train herself to be able to use her powers to kill the warlock because she has, like, magic priest powers. And usually she uses them for peace, but the red guy's like, no, we can't just be peaceful. We got to we gotta hurt this guy. You got to practice so by killing this cool, adorable three-headed bird thing. Right. And you gotta practice by hurting Rigel a lot. Yes. And so Zahn goes through difficulty doing that, but she's eventually able to be cruel. Um, Crichton continues to fight Krace. There's a weird moment where Krace is shown uh, images of his past to try to encourage him to fight Crichton. They fight some more. Then Zahn shows up, saves the day, um, and that all happens. Krace is back in his ship. And he's like, ah, now I really want to kill John Crichton because he fought me and shit, and we fought a lot. And then his lieutenant's like, yeah, sure. Uh, and he's like, any more communication from high command? She's like, no. And he's like, cool. And he kills her, snaps his lieutenant's neck uh. like that. And then our reflective moment back on the ship is uh, Crichton. Who's who's DK? That's someone from Earth, is that? I'm going to let you figure it out. Okay, anyway, he's, like, doing something, making a recording. I think DK was himself. the friend that he had in the pilot. Was his friend, yeah. And then Zahn comes in, and they talk, and now Zahn uh, is, like, she's unlocked an evil part of herself, <gasps> is the takeaway. And so that could be bad. So that's the episode. Yeah, what did you think of this shit? <sighs> Sorry. Well, I think that it was written by I didn't, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean shit as in it's bad, I mean shit as in it's... About this-ish. Uh, yeah, this ish. Well, I think that it was written by Richard Manning and directed by Brendan Marr. It, it aired in uh, June of 99 and January of 2000 in the UK. Um, I wanted to like this episode more than I did. 
Yes, I agree. I, I didn't hate it. I feel like it would have benefited a lot if we had known more about Christ a little bit before or had seen him menacing uh, Crichton and company uh, a few more times. But um, I think my biggest problem with the A-plot is that uh, the villain doesn't, Maldus doesn't feel menacing. He just feels like oh. he has a lot of power, but his goal doesn't seem clear. It just seems like we're going to bring uh, our villain, our like series villain back into focus and give Crichton a chance to have a moral quandary. Um, but on the other hand, I thought the B plot was sort of brilliant because it deals with uh, what it means to be a priest in this world and how it relates to not only spirituality, but also power. Because yeah. I always like learning more about Zahn, and I feel like this episode finally gave her a chance to have something to do other than be right. And they gave her this really intense moment of vulnerability where uh, mad props to the actress who plays uh, Zahn, where she just is breaking down, realizing that, yes, I used to kill people, and I gave that up, and uh, ultimately I can't, I can't keep it out forever. It's 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 in me now, and it's it's a part of me. What did you think of this episode? Um, I think pretty similar to what you thought. Um, I this was the wrong episode to not pay a lot of attention to, because it kind of just hops places. And if you're not following like I wasn't, then you wouldn't know that the jester and Maldus are the same guy, and that it was a manifestation of him and his warlockness. And you wouldn't know who the guy was that Zahn was talking to. Um, like, it's just a lot of weirdly... I think I said the word arbitrary already, but I, that's the best way to describe this. Um, and the thing that really drives that home for me is one of the pieces of trivia here on the Farscape wiki. Um, which is... I gotta find it, but... Uh, oh, holy sorry. crap, by the way. Haloth, the bad guy, spoke in the entire time in iambic pentameter. The one of, not the bad guy who was there for most of the time. His old man manifestation right. did. But yes, that uh, that is true. It's the piece that you're looking for. Um, it's about, there's a joke that surfaced in the writer's room because of this episode. Oh, now I'm also looking at the background info, and it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I can't remember which one it was, but basically there was... Oh, here we go. Uh, Maldus's name cropped up in many story meetings after this episode. O'Bannon, the executive producer, stated, The joke in later episodes was that whenever we were plotting a story and couldn't get past some problem, we'd just say, this is all a Maldus fabrication anyway. He felt that they had created a character like Q from Star Trek. Uh-huh. So do you know Which, who Q is? I'm looking it up now. Q is a character from early, like, the second episode of Star Trek, who is, um, if I remember correctly, just this alien dude uh, who has the ability to create realities and to create, like, scenarios for people. And he has uh-huh. this really gaudy, uh, like, Pope hat and outfit. And um, he's basically just there to mess with them. Like, he's kind of one of the closest things that the show has to a villain, I guess. Um but he's all, he's really interesting. Uh-huh. I think that's a, I think, uh, Maldus could have been like that, uh, if Maldus didn't, uh, have his entire motivation be fueled by violence. Cause Q right. it was very much a character that, um, was sort of there t- to push people's buttons and to make change happen and to be like, oh, I'm just gonna fuck with all of you cause screw you guys. Um, 
and he's from a race of beings known as the Q, by, by the way. Thank you, uh, Star Trek Wiki. Um, but Maldus just felt like he had a goal and uh, didn't reveal the extent of it until the very end. And it just kind of felt like a really roundabout way to achieve that goal. So basically, he's like, yeah. his whole thing was, I want, you're like, wait, why does he want to make uh, Crichton and, 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 and Christ fight a bunch? And the idea was that he's going to make them keep fighting until uh, Christ's ship gets lost or, dist- or, or uh, damaged in um, in deep space, in mystery space or whatever. And he loses he it. he can take it. Right, so he can take it and use it to kill way more people and then get way more blood and violence. Uh-huh. So <clears throat> that was their attempt to tie this fairly small-scale plot into um, the old, the grand world. And I feel like that's, if you'll allow me to kind of go on a little rant, I guess. Another weird problem that this episode had that I don't think you might have noticed just because it's like in it's like one of those devil in the detail sort of things that's like very, I paid attention to the lines in this episode. Like the red guy, whose name we're never going to get because he's only in this episode, um, he mentions real briefly that Maldus has been terrorizing his people. His name's Liko. There you go. By the way, Liko's like, "Hey, uh, Zon, like you guys. Sorry, whoops. Uh, you guys really need to get rid of this Maldus guy because he's been screwing with my entire race. Everybody on this planet yeah. hates him, and he's been our like dictator and has been manipulating our reality for a really long time. And I felt like that was a single line that was trying to raise the stakes in a way that could have been more fleshed out. Like they could have showed." more of the town yeah. more of the planet even because really the only right. the only scene we see of the planet is in the very beginning on the it's like zon and, and that guy and Frico whatever looking for um like perfume or whatever they're looking at uh-huh. they're just going shopping so that bummed me out um and it felt like they had to cram they were just cramming a ton of stuff into this episode and it all stemmed from the question of how do we get John Crichton and Crace to run into each other again? Right. Like it never felt like they were working organically from an idea for an episode. It always felt like they were mechanically going step by step from that question. And they never went back through and tried to smooth it out at all. Exactly. And that led to problems like Dargo and, and uh, Aaron's son basically not being in this episode. Right. And uh, just not getting to use your... And I mean, I don't have any problem with not using your entire cast every episode, but uh-huh. it, it was a little disjointed. So, like you said, they go the A-plot as is, Crichton is, um, and Christ fighting in weird world that looks like a big chess game or something. It's yeah. just a lot of marble statues and um, and black and white tiled floors. Uh-huh. Looking like a bonus level level out of like RuneScape or something when you like you know mine too many ores and they're like oh now you're in Magic Land it was one of those um, I just don't remember so much of it it was basically um, I to be fair I liked the beginning of where that plot was going because John Crichton is really excited to get to talk to Christ he's like he's enthusiastic in a way that is almost naive in a way that uh-huh. they usually don't make protagonists like this, where he's like, yes, this will solve the whole show. I can just tell him his yeah. brother did die by accident and it'll be great. And he'll forgive me and we'll be best friends and I won't get chased by him anymore. And Natch, <laughs> uh, when Christ gets there, they yank him off his ship out of nowhere. And his first instinct is I must kill you. And then Grant's like, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's talk this out. And he get, he gets to, he finally gets that, that moment. Uh, yeah. where he's like, listen, your brother was in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
I couldn't have planned to be there. I, you know, hit a weird hyperspace jump and I crashed into a ship. And he's like, that's an unlikely story. And you would only tell me that if you were covering your ass, which is what I, the viewer, was thinking the whole time is no matter what Crichton tells him, Christ is going to say you're covering your own ass because Uh you have no reason to, you're just lying to me. You have no reason to not be self-preserving. Right. And then, of course, Maldus, uh, the way he makes Christ go crazy is to be like, but look what your brother looks like. And uh, he's like, this is what John Crichton made your brother look like. And it's just a bad CG burning body on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. And that was kind of their twist your arm around the back of your head way of getting uh, some Christ backstory, which yeah. uh, I don't know how I felt about any of that. Right. It- <sighs> um, my thing was something that I just had in my head and I forgot it and I need to vamp for a second so I can remember what it was um yeah it's like before the whole Christ pursuing Crichton thing was like alright that's kind of flimsy like yeah he crashed into your brother I guess but it's pretty obvious that this dude's a dope and that he didn't really mean to do it um so that's whatever and it's if we want to draw one of our one of our recurring Farscape themes into this discussion, it's the idea that like talking is the way to solve problems. Exactly. Um, and then this episode is like, well, sometimes people don't actually want to talk. Like you should try talking, but if people don't want to listen, then that's it. You can't do anything about it. Which th- that's an interesting wrinkle in the sort of main theme that you and I have been drawing out of Farscape so far. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how to feel about Christ post this episode because his motivations now are easier to explain, but they're harder to believe. Interesting. How so? Like, because now you can say, oh, he's chasing Crichton because uh, Crichton, like, fought him. Like, now they're at a point where it doesn't even matter who fired the first shot anymore. Now they're just rivals. And so that's, like, more verbally justifiable than just, oh, he killed his brother by accident. But, like, now it's much more vague and less emotionally grounded also. Because why is, like, if Christ were to really think about this for a second, he wouldn't chase Crichton. It just seems crazy. It, so, it feels like know. a weird sibling rivalry where we're only fighting because we've been fighting for so long and why would we stop now? Right. And like intellectually that makes sense because we see conflicts like that all the time in fiction. Right. But emotionally it makes no sense at all. You're not going to get anything by defeating him. Right. And I like I'm not invested in this conflict. And am I going to care when Christ like Christ is probably going to die. That seems like his either redemption or death. Right, that's seems a given. Like his, his arc. Am I going to care when he gets redeemed? Maybe. Am I going to care if he dies? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the, for me watching the show in the back of my head, I'm never thinking like, oh, maybe Christ is just around the corner. Um, so I'm not afraid of him. And yeah, I don't know. I just don't know what to make of him right now. Just a related point. I think one of my biggest problems with the way that they ended up handling Christ was the, the way that they dealt with that backstory, which was to show uh, a scene to him and John Crichton 
of Christ as a kid, and we learn that he had a brother, and that his father was the one who conscripted them to the, or actually the government conscripted them to be peacekeepers, and their dad was like, well, good luck, kids, bye forever, and they're like, no, I didn't want to. So now we have this idea that Christ is not attached to the idea of being a peacekeeper, or at least he wasn't, and he's maybe developed a sort of appreciation for their work, mm-hmm. but now it just feels like his only motivation in life in in existence is this really futile uh effort to kill the person who led to his brother dying and yeah. and that's sad in a way for us the viewer but i don't feel like that would that scene is enough to motivate christ to kill john Crichton because it's basically just like hey remember your brother is the reason that Maldus shows that scene not to be like you know oh you are only a peacekeeper because you were forced to be hmm. that's how i felt about that yeah yeah I don't know I wasn't wasn't crazy about the episode well that, well, that's kind of the gist of the sort of the A plot because yeah I mean they fight for a while and then Crichton gets this nice moment where he flips from like we should talk to like I'm going to destroy him and it's hard to tell if it's genuine or if he's kind of playing it up from all this what did you think about that I'm sorry, ask that again. There's this part at the end of the episode where uh, Crichton, instead of trying to talk, decides, okay, Christ is absolutely going to kill me. I'm going to fight back, and I'm going to kill him. And so they uh-huh. play into Maldus's plan exactly. And I was wondering if you think that that was John Crichton actually flipping, or if he was playing it up so that Maldus would, you know, have this false sense of satisfaction. Um... Like, do you think that this this uh, interjection actually uh, made Crichton want to kill Christ? I don't know. I think they want us to think that Crichton fucked up. Like, that's more compelling from a narrative standpoint of, hey, John Crichton is not infallible. And, like, yeah, he he tries to do the right thing all the time, but sometimes... When his back against, is against the wall, he just has to fight. Um, but I didn't, I didn't feel that. It didn't really feel urgent. Um, and I didn't believe that he was really going to harm Christ in any way. Yeah, that's, that was my, my problem with it. And then before you even have time to think about that, before that scene has time to breathe, Zahn comes in, uh, theoretically guns ablazing and, uh, just kind of sweeps the episode towards its conclusion. Yeah. Which, I mean, we haven't talked about the Zon plot yet, but it's pretty easily summarizable. I mean, yeah. her and the red guy uh, are training for a while, and like we said, he is like, oh, kill this adorable three-headed bird thing, which is cool. I love seeing um, animal and, and like flor- the flora and fauna of sci-fi uh, shows mm-hmm. because it adds depth in a way that just having a bunch of alien people doesn't. And... Um, mm. She isn't able to do it. She almost is. She gets it squeaking, but she's kind of like, no, I'm inherently a good person. Like, I don't kill people. And at that moment, the viewer were like, oh, you know, maybe Zahn is pretty cool. But, yeah, we learn over time that she uh, had a bad past and that she was a savage for a while. And we get this implication that religion or, you know, her spirituality saved her. And... It's one of those things where the episode ends with her being like, oh, something's really bad in me, and I have this evil in me, and I used to be really bad, and now I'm feeling bad again. It's it, it's almost neutered by the rest of this episode existing, because it's such an interesting thing that doesn't get a conclusion yet. Mm. It's sort of very much hyping the next... I don't know if it's the next episode or if it's an upcoming episode, 
But right when the episode decided to get interesting and be like, Zahn's got something going on, fucking <laughs> the kazoo comes in and uh, and pulls apart the, or ends the coolest part of this episode with some damn credits. Mm. So, unfortunate ending to a, um okay episode that could have been way more interesting, I feel like. Agreed? Agreed. Friends. Yeah, agreed. Is there any other background information that you thought was interesting or uh, you wanted to read? Uh, I like, there are a couple quotes in here from Rock Nias O'Bannon. Um, can we just start calling him O'Bannon? We're doing that right now, right? Yeah, okay. sure. Cause we're gonna I, mention- I wanna call, I wanna call him, uh, the Rock. The the Rock. Okay. The Rockney. Um, yeah. He said that this episode was a deliberate attempt to do something different. He explained, in the early days of any show, you're hunting, you're surfing around to get the tone of the show and find out what you want it to be. You need to see yeah. how far you're willing to go in certain directions. And I, res- I respect that. Absolutely. I think that's cool. I think they just bit off more than they could chew with this episode. And they, uh, it, yeah, it felt super arbitrary. Like, this could have worked maybe as, like, a two-parter possibly oh totally yeah and then the second episode is like zon and her whole thing yeah because there's this idea mentioned in the trivia also that i didn't even pick up on but um dargo has lines in this episode and uh-huh. there's this implication that his race uh is are afraid of spirituality and afraid of magic and so mm. we're forming this like rift between him and zon that again is what gonna become one of my favorite things on this show probably but it, it's from a line that I probably completely missed. And so right, exactly. all the cool things about this episode are just like, you know, setting things up for something in the future, which is unfortunate. Uh-huh. Mm, crisis fate. Oh, uh, can we talk about the fucking uh, scene where Christ chokes his Kamei's assistant officer? Uh-huh. And by choke, I mean grabbed her chin and then she died. <laughs> There's no, there's no, I watched that scene like four times because I was like, I, I I wasn't paying attention by the end of this episode because I knew where it was going. And then that was kind of a cool reveal is that he's like, hey, did you or anyone else, like, you're the only person who got this information, right? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, cool, good work. Ka-tink. And it's just this like, la- good sound, like good Foley work. But you look mm-hmm. at it, like I was looking away from the screen, I look back and he literally just turns around, grabs her by the chin and then just kind of like bends. And you're like, that. There's no universe where that snaps someone's neck. I'm sorry. <laughs> and maybe, yeah, Christ is super badass with his cool goatee of fury. Eh, maybe Sebastian necks are easier to scratch. Sebastian necks are easy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't watch it. I don't know why I was thinking about Earth Girls Are Easy this week so much. Because it's good sci-fi. Uh, yeah. I, uh, maybe you were list- you listened to the same My Brother and Br- My Brother and Me episode I did. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. I didn't want to say it, but thanks. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, there was a subtle, unscripted joke from the Jester character when he says, I'll get you by the Mivonks. O'Bannon pointed out that, quote, he's got a magic stick with two balls on a rope. He loops them over the stick, simulating a penis and testicles. It wasn't in the script, and it's very and it's very subtle and funny. <laughs> I love that line. I like this idea that, well, yeah, we're getting this idea from all this trivia that O'Bannon is very much defending this early part of the show. Yeah, and I think that the source of all this information, the like Farscape Chronicles thing, is one of those things where the creator of the show is going back and being like, "Oh, this was crazy," but instead of yeah, it's probably DVD commentary or something, right? And instead of being like, "Oh, this was so bad before the show got good," he's like, "No, listen, 
This penis and testicle jokes joke was really good. They made me get rid of it, but oh my god, you guys would have been just mind blown instantly. I'm just really sad that you guys didn't get to enjoy this. So no, he's saying that was an improvisation. Or yeah, yeah, there are jokes in here. Part of the act. I think I I like that he's really proud of his show. Yeah, I'm just waiting to get to the part where I'm proud to watch it. I think Rockney O'Bannon leaves the show after a certain point. Really. Yeah, I don't think he's with it all four seasons. I'll be sad if that happens. If if and when. he uh, yeah, he's executive producer on the first season, and then he's credited as an executive consultant on the other three. Oh, only on this season he's a producer. Yeah, but he writes their episodes that he wrote in seasons two and three. Okay, and he writes uh, the movie. Right, so he takes a diminished so. role, is what you're getting at. I think so. Unfortunate, because yeah, he does good work, and we do good work, Magellan. Oh. <laughs> oh, don't say that. Don't, don't hold us to that standard. Uh, that was um, Scape Chats for this week, Magellan. And this is the week of, well, let's not put dates on things. Uh, <laughs> hey, Magellan. <laughs> <laughs> Date, dates are just a number. Yeah, age is just a number as well. Speaking of age, can you tell me the age of the... Oh, fuck, I can't segue it. Uh, summarize the next <laughs> episode for me. Please, please summarize them for me. <laughs> Uh, can you can you uh, vamp? vamp for a hot second? I here? want to suck your evil death blood. I love to eat death. My name is Milos. <laughs> what was the guy's name? Mil- Milton. Maldus. Milton. <laughs> yeah, it was Milton. Milton. Milton's milk balls. Milton's milk balls. All right, you're you ready for this? Wait, ready for whoa summary. Oh, next week on Skate Chats. You gotta let me do it. Go, go, go. <laughs> we're watching episodes 9 and 10 of season 1 of Farscape. Uh, the first one we're watching, episode 9, DNA Mad Scientist. So that's a great title. Yeah. DNA Mad Scientist. Moya's crew seeks a scientist who can provide star charts to their home worlds. His intentions are revealed when Aaron begins evolving into pilot. I, I, I... I... <laughs> I'm looking at the same thing that John is, which is a Netflix summary, and I read that last sentence like eight times. I feel like I don't understand it. <laughs> Me neither. That's exciting if that's how I think it works out. Or if that's... Uh, what about the other one? Also, we should note that these titles uh, like com- come from a time in TV where they didn't know that titles were going to be a thing. You know what I mean? Oh, right, yeah, because Twin Peaks does the same thing, where it's just like, oh, they the titles it's- are from the German airing. These aren't meant to be shown in the episode. like Right. These titles were just meant internal uh, names for episodes that they could distinguish them, which explains the title of episode 10, They've Got a Secret. <laughs> a routine maintenance check on Moya causes Dargo to relive flashbacks from his past, which reveal the truth behind his peacekeeper imprisonment. Whoa! That sounds good. That sounds great. I'm way into it. I'm down to clown. Yeah. I think so. Dylan, here's a question for you. Will you join me next week on another episode of Scape Chats where we discuss the TV show Farscape? Hey, Alan, can I give you my answer off the air? All right. We'll be back next week. Um, <laughs> will or won't be back. Spoilers. He totally will. I can't do this on my own. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'll be Thank you back. for listening to episode four of Scape Chats. We will see you next week.